it's the best theory we, we, we have at the moment. And it is subject to, to uh, modification, extension, revision. It's a theory. Don't, don't, it's not, it, that doesn't mean it's just bu some bullshit. There's a lot of rigor in it, right? And, uh, and the rigor begins with the fact that it starts with describing actual monetary operations and how money and banking works in a fiat monetary system where the where you're uh, not borrowing except in your own currency and you have a free floating exchange rate. I mean, there are very specific conditions where MMT applies. So as opposed to saying it is the truth about economics, it is the theory that is by far the most convincing to me. Yeah. Better way of saying it? Yeah. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world and conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today is part two of my two-part conversation with Chris McCardle. Today we discuss online activism and also the concept of truth versus academic theory. MMT is not the truth about economics as I have admittedly often said. It's simply the most convincing economic theory to me and Chris. Truth is an inherently subjective term and therefore is not conducive to encouraging others to look into MMT, let alone be convinced by it. We end today's episode by giving a rundown of our lists of important sources that we find valuable to pass on to others interested in learning more about MMT, both from an introductory point of view and for those wanting more detail. Many links to these sources and more can be found in the show notes for part one. But for now, let's get right back to my conversation with Chris McCardle. I think it was because I was try I was I wanted to yeah that's what it was so I called up I, I was telling Warren that I was at the Department of Labor and that I had I was now working for the Commissioner of Department of Labor so I could approach I could approach that and I wanted to see if I could get some traction and get some support so that I could start working on Im implementing the job guarantee here in Connecticut like developing an implementation of it right and what I realized out of that to refer to to the towards the beginning of our conversation was that was not the way to do it. The bureaucracy was not the way to deliver it. Right. Right. So, but that's, that's where this all got started. So I had moved, I had come over to the department of labor. I was working around workforce and I was working around wage enforcement. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to start to take the job guarantee as a policy idea and develop an implementation of it. And that's how I ended up talking to Stephanie because Warren said, well, it so happens that there, that Stephanie and, and, and Pavlina and Scott and a couple other people are working on a paper they're going to be publishing soon. So you should just call Stephanie. That's how I got talking to Stephanie. And then Stephanie broke it down for me. And it was just amazing how thoroughly she understood the politics of it. Hmm. Like she understood it end to end. It was really something. Well, you said she's a good teacher. And, you know, of course. Yeah, she's got, the, she's got all three of those things. It's really amazing. Well, her her book and in her Angry Birds, uh, Angry Birds vision of deficit, Angry Birds of deficit is what I call it. I mean, that's not the exact name. Um, mm -hmm. Her video or our lecture. How well? Let me ask you first. How did you? Uh, what's your thoughts about the book? Your your experience with the book? Deficit. Well, I bought. I honestly, I didn't read the book. I bought the no. book because I want to have her her book. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. At some point, I will sit down and read it, but. You know, I came to this from a different direction. So to me, it's it would be entertaining, but I'm 
and, and I might I might pick up some stuff, but I've acted like I read her first paper. I think it's white. Pa- I think it's Levy white paper two forty four. I think is what it was. And when she was still Stephanie, Bell, taxes and bonds cannot. Finance it was her original examin- examination of uh, what Warren was saying. Can taxes and bonds finance government spending? Right, right, right. Can and not only don't they, they can't. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, so, I've been... so like that's that's where I, you know, like I got my education that way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm focusing on trying to, as fast as I can, I'm trying to figure out how do we actually implement a job guarantee because I'm persuaded it's coming at this point. Which, which I didn't. I've said again, going back five six years, I've said, look. We shouldn't be trying to educate everybody. This is another thing activists need to understand. Don't try and persuade people that this is right, right? You ha- get to a, su- a sufficient le- level of mastery that you can just answer people's questions and leave them right where they are because that will work. I've done that in bars. I've done that you know, in, in meetings. I've done that just with casual conversations. Interesting. So, it works every time. And that's what Ke- Stephanie is so brilliant at. She knows she talks to people exactly where they are and she doesn't try and get them anywhere. She just answers their questions. Just make sure that they, they, they can, they don't try and change their minds. Just make sure that what, what they object to or what they don't like is what it actually is. Right. Exactly. So at least get a, get a step closer to that. That's interesting. So instead yeah. of, instead of saying that it is best or right, that just, Let's just make sure you understand what it is. You don't have to agree with it. You can totally be against it. No problem. Let's just make sure you understand what it is. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. But, and, and do it in a conversational way. Don't do it as a, as though you you're schooling them unless that works. I mean, do what works, right. but you know, I mean, if you really want to be a, want, want, I actually did this at one point. I just watched every video of hers. I could, cause she's just so good at it and it's just, you know, then just absorb whatever you absorb. But anyway, it's really important to to just talk to people where they are and answer their questions and be respectful. Yeah, and interest and and I don't know the way that you said it. Instead of trying to be correct, just just make sure that we're talking on the same reality. You don't have to agree. You don't have to change your mind at all. You could be totally against it. Let's just make sure that we're talking on the same reality. Yeah. It- it, and it's all—it's one hundred percent on you that that conversation works. If you're going to be an activist, if you want to spread the spread the word, it's one hundred percent on you that that, that the, your interactions work. Let me ask you what you said before. Uh, you said MN, you know, some people say MNT is the truth, and I have said, I have said up until the moment you just said what you did, MNT is the truth about economics. But you're saying no. C- clarify that. So I mean, no, it is the, the reality. You know, it is, you know, institutionalism, how the Fed and the it's the be- it is the best. It's the best theory we, we, we have at the moment. And it is subject to, to uh, modification, extension, revision. It's a theory. Don't don't. It's not. It, that doesn't mean it's just bu- some bullshit. There's a lot of rigor in it. Right. And uh, and the rigor begins with the fact that it starts with describing actual monetary operations and how money and banking works in a fiat monetary system where the where you're uh, not borrowing except in your own currency and you have a free floating exchange rate. I mean, there are very specific conditions where MMT applies. So as opposed to saying it is the truth about economics, it is the theory that is by far the most convincing to me. Yeah. Better way of saying it? Yeah. More accurate way of saying it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't get religious about anything. People, I didn't consider it about a religious. No, 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 I, 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 I didn't not, consider I, the word. No, I know you're not criticizing me. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. the truth does not seem religious to me. The right. truth it is. That is the goal of this theory is the truth about how these institutions work. But that turn that that language is, right. you know, I, I seeing it through your, you know, being a political person that is that is language that could easily turn someone off. And it is more accurately, actually more accurate to say it is a theory of how things work. And I'm by far the most convinced by this particular theory over right. any other economic theory. Right. Yeah. And that leaves that, that, you know, again, as an activist, that leaves space for people to disagree with you. And that's fine. Yeah, if they disagree that's with great. You. Yeah. Like you want to let people disagree with you. And this is what will happen. If you're doing this with some rigor, you will, you will go back and have, and have to figure out how to answer that question. I just had an experience. I'm, I I continue to have this experience with these people who are just gobsmacked that MMT is a theory and yet it prescribes some things. Like, well, then it can't be a theory because a theory is just something that describes. And so I've compiled I've compiled like 
quotes and papers by pretty much every main academic that says, like, for example, the JG is, you know, you can't separate that from MMT. They're one and the same. Yes, but that's, but if you really want to understand the thought progression, the most cogent place to go is Warren's white paper, recent white paper, which walks you through basically in a few pages, the whole thing from soup to JG. Right. Have you seen that paper? Sure. Sure. I have to look at it again. It's been a little while, but yeah, that, that is, that is the best. Like when people show up on Twitter and they're like, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? I frequently just share that paper with them. I, I, don't disagree. I just want to finish with the thing I was just saying a moment ago. Oh, which is, I'm sorry. This mm-hmm. guy, this guy, a few people, but this one in particular is just mm-hmm. cannot get his mind around. It is a theory. Therefore, it describes. If it prescribes something, it, it if it prescribes something, then it cannot be a theory. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you're right. But here's what the guys who invented it say. And I have mm-hmm. a I have a document that quotes all of these people. And I'm going to add the white paper could probably that Warren's quote is probably in there. Um, all of these people that developed MMT from the very beginning, they say it prescribes. And they say, well, then why is it called a theory? And I said, I maybe just to annoy you. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? Well, he, I, I suggest, respectfully suggest he doesn't understand what theory means. Yeah. No, not all, not all theories are not, no theory is merely descriptive. That's just not true. <laughs> If it doesn't have prescriptive, if it doesn't, it, it, what, how you test the validity of a theory is whether or not it has predictive capacity, hmm. whether or not you can recreate the experiment act and produce the same results. Hmm. Yeah, good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean and, that's just that's a false premise. The argument is based on a false premise. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And the people that I mostly talk to and am with consider the word theory in the more colloquial version, which is, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe not, um, which is not the scientific. Um, yeah, no, but, but every theory, I mean, the theory of gravity is open to revision. No. Yeah. But yeah, nobody's saying, say, how can you say it's the truth? Who's, how do you convince someone that's, that's that, that yeah, like, the, yeah, you know, the, the fact of gravity, what we call gravity, we're describing the way the world works and it's kind of a shorthand in the colloquial sense, mm-hmm. but in the rigorous sense, Gravity is actually like, you know, it's, it's outmoded. It's not, it's not state-of-the-art theory. <laughs> it isn't, right? There's the theory of relativity, uh-huh. right? So Newtonian mm-hmm. physics has been, you know, it's not false. It's just not complete. It's not, it doesn't have complete descriptive power. It's subject to revision, and Einstein hmm. did so, hmm. right? And quantum physics, I mean, the, you know, Definitely. Now, that, that's not a conversation for everybody, right? Like, not everybody gives a shit. But for people that do, great. You know, and it leads you into that place, too. And that's a great way to learn, in my opinion. That's the way you, to do it. You know, you don't have to try and become, you know, an economist. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially if you, if like me, you're a crappy scholar. <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, just going back to uh, to Stephanie being a good teacher, the the deficit myth um, and her uh, Angry Birds video. I've been studying for two and a half years. I never heard of it before two and a half years ago. I was completely asleep before Bernie, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I mean, in all sense, not just economic. Um, so I've been studying it for two and a half years. So I, mm-hmm. I know a decent amount. I know a decent amount. But that book is written for someone who knows nothing, right? And yet I read it. And I got a good amount out of it. Yeah. I got a good amount out of it. So it just that shows me that her method of communication works simultaneously for for people who know nothing, and for those who know a pretty decent amount. Oh yeah. And that that that's a really good. I mean, the fact that she can that she can uh, walk that line is impressive to me. Yeah. Well, she said uh, she said that her, uh, the turning point when she was going to write this book was a conversation that she had, and now is my his. I have to. What was who's the guy? Yeah, David K. Johnson. So when Stephanie launched her book, she did a, 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 an interview, a video interview, and in that interview, she said that uh, it was a turning point. A conversation she had with him was a turning point in how she was going to write the book. And what he said to her, uh, I'll get this as close as I can, was 
she had just spent, you know, whatever, two hours explaining it to him. And he said to her, I don't understand this. And if I don't understand this, you know, that's going to be a problem for you, you know, for a general readership. And she said that had a profound impact on how she approached the book. Hmm. Right. So that sort of goes back to my point before about like, don't conduct a seminar. Don't try to teach people the entire theory. Answer whatever the question is that they've got. That's to me, that sort of validates what I've, what I've, the position I've taken about how to go the best way to go about it. Now that doesn't mean I don't flame people. I do flame people on social. I do flame people on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed your little encounter with Francis. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, remember, I used to do that professionally. Like, (laughs) like, I know I was good at it. (laughs) Uh, Um. Okay, so you've been learning for quite a while. I, I. I mean, it was seems just just a chance encounter that you met Warren. Right. Um, most people, I mean, people who learned it around when I did, Bernie was the catalyst. People who right. learned it around when you did normally, uh, the Great Financial Crash was the catalyst. For you, it seemed to be just a coincidence. You're the first person that was not seemingly affected by, you know, triggered to look into it by one of those two reasons, which is surprising to me. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I... You know, I got triggered in 1975. You know what I mean? So, like, when he showed up, you know, is is the way I would describe it. You know what I mean? Like, I I've been the primal punch for years. Yeah, I've been I've been had my antenna up for a long time for my whole life, and so so what was missing? What was what was you know bothering you? What was that itch? Um. I'm not a good scholar. I'm a terrible student. And so I, you know, I, you know, I sailed through college with gentlemen C's, you know, it's just like, if I had dug into economics back then, maybe I would have encountered Hyman Minsky. Mm. That still wouldn't have been MMT, right? But, you know, but I just... In in this day and age, it's a completely different situation. Like back then, you, there were very few. You know, there were three. There was three television networks. Right? Oh. This Fox didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. Everybody got their news from the same sources: the six o'clock news, right? The eleven o'clock news. Mm-hmm. You know, the newspaper. Every and every, so everything was very curated, and mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of editorial. Uh, value added to everything. So the chances of you randomly encountering information that was going to alter your course mm. were much less. And, mm. the, and you know, everything, it was a very institutional uh, sort of a structure for how you acquired knowledge. You know, it was what, what books you read and, you know, how, if you did, if you're good at, at studying, you know, you would be able to uh, leverage the expertise of your uh, instructors and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I think, I think that's part of it. And so like, but by the time 2010 came around, you know, you started to see a lot more of this, uh, a a lot more of that sort of randomness uh, happening. So do you have a, do you have a sort of a, a feeling or a memory of like that, you know, Warren finally pressed that button for you that, that you had been, you know, sort of, thinking about for a long time like was it just how quickly were you convinced uh or what was i was yeah the 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 light bulb moment was him was was his insistence that the federal government didn't need to tax in order to spend and the light bulb went off i was like holy shit you're right i I think i literally said that to him Hmm. i said I, I, i was sitting there sort of like thinking about what he was saying and it was just like holy shit you're you're right mm. <laughs> it's like wow and then your whole life <laughs> just went through the end of this like at the end of the sixth sense like the whole your whole mo- your whole life changed yeah i don't know the reference I, i'm not familiar with the reference but yeah it was it was it definitely a, a an altering of reality the uh, the movie with sixth sense with bruce willis uh yeah M. Night Shyamalan. at the end of the movie something happens that makes you reevaluate the entire movie that you just watched and the whole movie changes its meaning. And now you have to watch it again. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So then, you know, so then it was like, 
what are the implications of this? <laughs> right. <laughs> what does this mean? Hmm. You know? And, uh, and, you know, so I'm a terrible scholar, but I'm very curious and I'm a pretty good autodidact. Um, so, and I had access to this dude. He was, hmm. you know, he's incredibly generous. Hmm. Uh, you know, he, you know, I texted him, I listened to this, this podcast that he just did. And I texted him at like 1130 at night hmm. and I got up the next morning and at like 245 in the morning, he had texted, texted <laughs> me a response. That's great. Do you know what I mean? That's great. like, you know, he's, he's just, he really is a great guy, hmm. really down to earth guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and also he's, and he's another one of these people with, uh, what do you call that? Polymath. He's a, he's a polymath. Like he's, he started a car company, oh. right? You know, he, he helped invent the, the hedge fund industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he made a fortune uh, by innovating his way through, through the financial services industry, right? Mm -hmm. that, then he built a ferry company based on the design he used for his cars. He built this ferry to, that uh, runs on a lot less fuel and runs a lot more stably the trip between St. Croix and St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you completely on well, going back to what we were talking about before, I'm wondering so activism online. Uh you've done a significant amount of this. Uh yeah. you know, you're 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 pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. You don't you don't suffer fools very well. Um right. but but you're not, you know, you're not disrespectful. You you respond in kind if necessary, but what is your observation of of yourself or other activism online that you have noticed that is good or bad in a negative sense, if you can recall that? Uh, online activism is wildly overrated. Okay. People spend way too much time on social. I used to, I don't anymore. I also, as you, as you discovered, I don't check email very often. <laughs> like, you know, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do it is send me a text or okay. call, but send me, shooting me a text. Okay. Um, yeah, you got to understand that social media is designed for controversy. That's all it's designed to do. It's designed to affect you at the base of your brainstem. <laughs> it's that is literally it's engineered to do that. Okay. Um, you are mostly going to be wasting your time if you're engaging a lot with uh, on social media. Okay, but that that seems to somewhat conflict with the fact that MMT depends on social media to get the word out. No, you... no, no, I would, I wouldn't say that. I would say Stephanie is very effective at using it. Okay. But most of the, but most of the arguments that like, the, like the, the kind of extended arguments that those guys get into, like I, I, I don't even follow them anymore. It's just a waste of time because you're not going to persuade anybody. You're not. If you notice, I mostly step in and clarify things okay. when I do it at all. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, you know, I'll just I'll just get a workout for you know for old times' sake. <laughs> but like, I don't think I'm accomplishing anything except for helping people help themselves. But I well, okay, uh, I'm not necessarily contradicting you, but I but, no, that's okay. but as I see it, as yeah. I see it, the point is not to convince the person you're talking with. The point mm -hmm. is to put the convince the people who come to that conversation later to observe it. Number one is see that you're the one that kept your cool and right. that you're the one that laid down, you know, definitive information to address it. Is, yeah. do, is that, I mean, yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's basically what I, that's a different way of saying what I said, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's all it, basically, if you go, if it, so if you're, if you get into a thread, right. And you make some simple statements that you're, you know, you're not trying to win an argument. You're just stating certain facts and trying to correct the record and providing links to your sources, as opposed to giving things for people to read. Like, don't do that, right? Wait, wait what's the difference? The difference is, so people will spam a thread with six links to stuff, right? Like, you're you mean, an just asshole. be you just be more specific. Just like here an, is it. Here's where you can find it. Told. You're an asshole. Read these six things and then get back to me. Right, right, right. Okay. No, no. It's just being more or, specific. Or pretty yet, or pretty yet, go fuck yourself. Like, you know, that is not. You're saying that that's not an effective 
method yeah, that's not, of activism. No, <laughs> no. No, Steve, so, 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 I'll, so I'll tell you a quick digression, right? So when I started, uh, I literally started out when social media started out, like I was there at the beginning of it, right? So mm-hmm. before there was Facebook and Twitter and stuff, what it was was comment sections on the online versions of local newspapers. Right. And email right. groups, 93. Well, yeah, e- email groups too. Uh, IRC chat. Uh, Telnet, you know, like all that sure. stuff that was pre pre web black and right? green, black and green screens, <laughs> right? Um, and then you know, then you had bulletin board systems, right? Mm-hmm. BBSs. Sure. So, I was, I was on BBSs, right? But the thing was that back then you didn't, nothing was automated, right? It you had you, what you were doing is you were having a virtual conversation, like the conversation you would have with someone in person. And that was true until about 2010 or so. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was pretty much everything had, had moved to the dominant platforms, Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it was highly automated. It was no, there was nothing organic about it whatsoever. And right? censored. It, it, there was, right. Then there's algorithms choosing what you can and can't see and what gets presented to you and what doesn't, mm-hmm. particularly on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the really, the really, the end of it as a, as a, like culturally, it was no longer like having a conversation like what you and I are having right now. Mm-hmm. It was now weaponized. It was now automated and weaponized, mm-hmm. and it had been highly engineered to suck you in the same way that the gambling industry was transformed. To now, to where now everything is about getting you to sit in front of a slot machine. Mm, that's interesting. Like even the architecture. Yeah. And it's all about time on, uh, what do they call it? Time on machine. Like in the gambling industry, it's like time on machine. I forget what. It, like a statistic that they keep, make you know, try and maximize the amount of time. Yeah, because like they, they want to keep you sitting there playing the slot machine for as long as possible. Yeah, that's interesting because you're not doing real world stuff you're not getting real stuff you, you i mean finish your thought but but you're so so me and social media is is designed this exactly the same way and the guy who created the uh, persuasive technology lab is a guy named bj fogg and he created the persuasive technology lab at stanford and a lot of these guys that do that were are, are the engineers of social media that are that are doing the human engineering that are acting on your your reptile brain brain right the edge mm-hmm. of brain stem right mm-hmm. they know exactly what they're doing so mm-hmm. you think you're participating in a, you know some sort of a natural debate or whatever it is it's almost certainly false so the cut the cord is my advice that said i still go on twitter but somehow i have managed to i don't get sucked into it too much anymore i don't know why cuz i sh- I'm, I'm not I know better than to think I can resist it, right? But I, for some reason, maybe it's because I cut the cord. I, I don't get sucked into it so much. But so anyway, so what I would say is that just recognize like it's a it has a limited utility, and you if you use it for that, fine. But if you think you're going to actually like there's some some sort of difference is going to get made, you're kidding yourself. It's way too powerful. Okay. So yeah. okay. So so they. MMT uses it in an effective way because you don't see the prominent people getting into arguments. They'll they'll put. I the, think I, I think Stephanie uses it effectively. That's yeah. what I'll say. Okay, so that that I mean I'm definitely have definitely lost a couple of years of my life because of social right. media and me and, too. Yeah, no, it's I, been a long time down the, down the Facebook rabbit hole. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I definitely have, and and but but now you're you're actually you're changing how I how I'm seeing what I should be doing. And I'm actually already sort of starting that process, which is I'm creating like real resources of, for example, the, I just created last night of here's a list of all of the primary developers of MMT and here are their quotes confirming that they say that the job guarantee is inseparable from MMT. Bam. Right. Whole document of just that. And so instead of getting into arguments, I need to continue to create these kinds of resources where I can just go in and just bam and get out. I don't need to, there's no, there's nothing to argue. Here's your source. You don't have to agree. You don't have to believe it, but this is what it is. And so that's, yeah, Yeah, that's, I think that's going to be much more effective is to focus on creating these 
reusable resources that point to primary sources than doing what I've done a lot of. Yeah. So, and here's another, so here's another, uh, you know, pro tip about how to deal with social <laughs> curate your feed on Unf- stop following everything. I follow no one. I already got right. that one and it's still hard. It's still hard. Right. So, so I, you know, I, I'm aware that my time that, that what, what everybody's vying for is attention, right? There's only so many eyeballs, only so many eyeball hours. Right. And so I, I have a, you know, I treat it like I have a diet. So I have to make sure that I, I compose a, a good diet. I can't, you know, you know, live on, you know, booze and potato chips. And I can't live on, you know, entertaining memes and random individuals, who, who, you know, expressing opinions and like, you know, so curate your feed. I'm not, I'm not necessarily speaking to you personally. We're talking. Yeah. Curate your feed. Think about who you're following and who you're seeing in your feed and do that in an active way. You can do it on Twitter, I think, to a degree. I don't think you can do it on Facebook. I tried one time. I got rid of, I unfriended, I didn't unfriend everybody. I, uh, I got rid of all. Stop following people. Yeah. I unfollowed everybody and I unliked all of the like movies and stuff. And I'm sorry, you know, and I'm, I'm somebody who's a bit of a, of a privacy uh, person. Mm-hmm. So I've got a VPN. I, I use a brave browser, you know, so like I don't see advertising. I don't, and, and my browser naturally gets rid of cookies mm-hmm. and you can't track me on the web. Cause I use the VPN in the, in the, in the brave browser. Right. So mm-hmm. I inure myself that way. I, I keep it all away from me in the first place. So that's another thing I would strongly recommend it because they can't manipulate you as easily if they don't have your, the information, if they don't know where, where you're surfing. And so on and so forth. Don't use Google. Use DuckDuckGo. Uh, right? Don't yep. don't search on Google. Yep. Right? If you got a Chromebook, this is this is a problem. And I have a Chromebook, and it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so it's a compromise I have to make. Uh, My wife is but, an elementary school teacher, and obviously yeah. during coronavirus, she's been teaching through the Chromebook, which is we have you know we have a salary coming in, which is you know I'm not going to complain about that. But it made right. me realize that now I know why they have. Google Docs for free and Google Sheets for free and Google whatever the other ones are for free because they're selling Chromebooks. Now they've taken over the world because of coronavirus. They're the they're the gateways to schools. I, I just that just hit me. Yeah. Yeah. The the Google what Google's in the business of basically of selling advertising and selling information on people uh, and access to people. That's what that's really what it is. Huh. Okay. So secondary is the Chromebooks is the hardware. Oh no, the Chromebooks. The Chromebooks are a means to an end. Yeah, yeah. No, the, okay. The, Chrome, the, the Chromebooks. They're putting you physically on their platform. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So they can second. watch your behavior and all that type of stuff. Yeah, get stay away from stay away from Facebook. Stay away from Google as much as possible. But even so, even though I have eliminated all of my followers, I mean, not my yeah. followers, my the people that I follow. I don't follow anyone, no one, on right. Facebook or on Twitter, and it's still hard. What, what I wish was possible on Twitter is that you could, when you mute someone, I wish I could keep all of my followers, but mute them, but only yeah. mute them in the feed, not mute them in the notifications. So I can still see their replies, still see their notifications, mm. but you can't do that. So the mm. only way to deal with that is to unfollow everybody. So yeah. that, that's frustrating. But even though I do that, it is still addicting. And right. same with Facebook. I mean, Facebook yep. tries to deliberately is much more aggressive and, you know, here's some, here's some Joe, Joe just wrote a comment on somebody's post. It's like, what right. do I care? Right, you know, it's right. like gradually trying to suck you back in, but no, no, I think, I think uh, that, that kind of changes stuff that, that I'm going to spend the same energy doing what I'm doing, but focus it very differently. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. So, so here's another thing that, uh, another thing that I'm interested in that can inform the question you're asking. There's this guy named Nicholas Christakis, and he's he studies uh, human beings as as networks. He started out as a medical doctor and moved towards epidemiology, and then became then be, then started studying human networks. And he has a book called Blueprint, and it sort of lays down it's sort of an, his opus for a general audience. 
sort of the summary of his work to date. He's got a he's got a lab at Yale called the Human Nature Lab, and what what he says in Blueprint in in a nutshell is that uh, human beings have evolved to organize themselves in social groups according to I think it's like nine I he's I think it's nine principles I have to go back and look at the book again because I might be getting that wrong but essentially what he's saying is that our how we organize ourselves is 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 embedded in our genetic code right like how we survived and evolved over you know eons is embedded in our genetic code so we so we can say with with reliability that Dunbar's number, for example, is a pretty good rule of thumb for what your sphere is going to be, right? So Dunbar's numbers, it says, uh, he was another guy that studied human networks, social groups. And what he says is that you, you maintain a, you know, intimate relationship, like a really deep relationship with about five people at any given time. And then there's another degree of separation. And this is where degrees of separation come from, by the way. So another degree, or it's the same, it's what it's talking about is this. And then there's like a a wider circle of another, let's let's say it's 15 people, I don't know. And then there's another wider circle, right? And so the the actual number uh, degrees of influence that you have, I think it's 3.56 degrees of influence relationship so the way he says it is your friends friends friend can make you fat (laughs) right so what he's saying is that 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 there are there are these emergent properties of social networks um and you find them at that sort of scale so there's something inherently unnatural about big what i call big social which is twitter and facebook and stuff instead along with going along with the idea of curating your feed, understand that you can only keep track of so many things and they're not many things Hmm. and not many people. Right. Mm -hmm. So pick them carefully and then focus on the quality of those relationships and decide what, what you're trying to do in your prime, you know, with your time in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I talking to this guy? Is it just because like he's here or do he and I have actually something to, and if you just make that little change, this is great. In my opinion, this is, this is how I do life now. Uh, but you know, I talk about online and being an advocate, like what's the change you're trying to make? Who is it you're trying to serve? So that would be, you know, like more like how to be an effective activist, uh, you know, how to spread the word, you know, talk to people who want to be talked to. Yeah. And yeah. It's you want to, you want to talk to. And obviously the choices that you make impact it distracts you from other things. So it's prioritizing, you know, it's, it's like if you talk to people that are four degrees away from you, you're, you're choosing to not talk to people who are right next to you. Right. Well, you're actually making those fourth degree relationships first primary relationships. Right. Wait, wait. So, so it's a a whole, it's a whole web where single connection is weak. Right. Right. It's like, you know, you're, you're at dinner on your cell phone. It's like, who are you with? Are you right? You're with both sort of kind of, right. Um, okay, uh, that that's great. That's very interesting. Um, I'd like to if I I'd like to switch to a f- uh, unrelated final well kind of uh, unrelated final subject if I may, yeah. um, and that is uh, you. I've seen you post quite a few papers. You know, read this and read this and read this. And I, I like there was one one thing in particular that you said which I thought was pretty cool. And like someone said, you know, I'm convinced or something like that. You know, I'm a convert or whatever. And you you responded, I've got good news for you. This is just the beginning. That, that was right. I, I really like that, and actually, I'm I'm actually in that stage. Like like you know, there's there's multiple stages of learning MMT. There's the first, which is just like logical, and and easy and obvious. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first stage, and that's like holy cow. You know, my whole life has been a lie. Mm-hmm. But then there's then there's the institutionalism that you must under start at least somewhat understand that backs mm-hmm. it up because once you start talking to people. They'll just hit you with things that just are like, I have no idea what to say. You know, mm-hmm. I know that it's wrong because the underlying logic proves that it's wrong. Can, the underlying logic is true, and therefore this can't be true. But I have no idea how to address that. So you have to understand the the deeper things under it. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed you in Twitter on Twitter responding to people. Read this. Right. 
read this academic paper, read this, like this, what the white paper from Warren Mosler's white paper and so on. So it's just, it's like you have a, a, you, but my point is that you have, you seem to have a reasonably good selection of papers in mind. So I'm just wondering. Yeah. A lot of how I learn and a lot of how I, my journey unfolded uh, learning MMT actually took place in that Facebook group. So it was engaging with people who were there to discuss MMT or some often we would get people in there who weren't, they were just basically trolling. Um, but in the process of trying to help other people, I had to do my own reading. And so like, I, you know, this isn't for everybody, but I highly recommend this as an approach because people are going to ask you questions or raise issues that you would not have thought of and they're not necessarily organized in a uh in a canon right that you could follow okay and so what what Do you have an example now th again this is just how this is how i this is my autodidactism uh and i'm recommending it but you know it's not the only way to do it okay uh the papers, the, the key papers to me, like the, the best one, I, I love to give this to people, is that Stephanie's uh, uh, Levy paper, I think it's 244, the one we talked about earlier. Ten Taxes and um, Bond Sales Finance Government Spending. Right, exactly. Like, because, see, what you're reading there, first of all, it's, it's, it's a seminal paper. Mm -hmm. For Stephanie, it was seminal. So you're, you're getting at, you're getting at something, there's something like DNA-ish, genetic about what you're, what you're absorbing when you read that paper, mm -hmm. right? Because what that is, is her rigorous scholarly examination of the experience she talks about in the book, about like when Warren, when she first encountered what Warren was saying, mm -hmm. she was like, that's bonkers, right? So she, you're, you're following like the best at it. <laughs> Uh, the best explainer of it, you're following her initial examination of the ideas, which we, she was examining them critically, right? She was like, this can't be true. She's walking you from so, where you are right now. Huh? She is walking you. You can identify with her because she is walking you from exactly your position right now. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you start there. Right. Um, so I would say that I would say that this, that the, the uh, it's partly because it just, happened but it's also because i haven't even i had not heard a lot of what's in it this podcast that he just did it was in his feed and i would listen to that podcast and now this is for people who are pretty serious about it but don't necessarily want to spend a ton of time or approach it in a scholarly fashion right this is how i would this is how i do it right mm -hmm. so i would say that podcast that he just did is great because it, it gives you this whole backstory about how the ideas actually took place. And it's, it's all story driven. It's, it's very interesting. It's a, and it's a very good interview. Um, so I would say, you know, like that'll be something that I will recommend to people. And, and, and then the other one, the other thing is, is, is that white paper I recommended earlier mm -hmm. that Warren put out recently, I think maybe April or February mm -hmm. where, where he just walks you through the whole story of MMT and lead you right to the job guarantee. And it's, it's, I learned a lot from that because I've always struggled a bit with how the job guarantee inevitably proceeds from the rest of the theory. And in that paper, it's, it's much clearer. It's, it, it helps, it helped me quite a bit okay. understand that, that, uh, that it is integral and why it's integral and how it, how it, how it emerges from the rest of the theory. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the, the, the podcast you said is, you know, somewhat technical, that episode and Stephanie's paper. Um, I agree they're, 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 well, I don't know about the podcast, but the paper certainly is, you know, important. It's very important. Um, mm -hmm. I find, I, I read it a long time ago and I found it pretty hard. Um, I wouldn't say that that's like a first paper that I would recommend, but it, right. I struggled through it and I was still like, I I got the major points of it, but I missed a ton of detail. And actually, I, I was uh, that was the first one where I realized that how important accounting was. And right. so I was thinking to myself while I was reading this paper, I am so intimidated because now I have to not just learn economics. I have to learn the entire practice of accounting. 
And, you know, that's not the case. It's, it's, it's quite right. easy what you end up actually having to do, just tea tables and so on. But right. I went back and I read it again. And, you know, I, you can go back and read anything over and over again, and you will never right. not get something new out of it. Right. Um, yeah. So I re rely a lot on videos hmm. and podcasts. I, I more than like, I like to read. I seldom sit down and read a book cover to cover. Hmm. I've got, you know, over here, I've got like 400, 350 books <laughs> and like few of them I have read cover to cover. It's mostly a reference library okay. on various things that I'm interested in. Uh, it, something that's really, I think it's really important to understand about MMT is it deals with both sides of the equation, both supply and demand. Yep. Absolutely. Right? So, uh, and that's a really valuable, that's a really potent, uh, thing to see, to keep in mind when you're, um, when you're trying to think about this stuff. So this is another trope of mine. Uh, that I like to say to people is that MMT economists are all inflation hawks. Okay. Right. They're not deficit hawks. They're deficit owls, as Stephanie coined the phrase. But they are all inflation hawks. That is ah, interesting. That is that is the s that is essential to MMT. Is that the because the constraint is inflation, hmm. right? So people who allege that this was a bigger more frequent occurrence. I haven't, of course, I'm not online as much as I used to be, but it, it, and that goes hand in hand with the fact that the job guarantee promotes both full employment and price stability. Right. 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 So being on both sides of that equation is uh, keeping in mind that you're always talking about two si sides of the equation at all times. Right. That's a really valuable thing. That's for, that I keep in mind a lot. I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I've always known that, but I hadn't thought of it quite as concisely as that, that thinking of you can do whatever program you want, but you need to show that you have both sides of the equation and UBI does not show that. It hopes that the other side of the equation will work out, but it does not show it. And when you hope for something, usually those at the bottom are the ones that are going to suffer the consequences. Yeah. So the thing about, the thing about a UPI is that it's an, it's an inflation ratchet. Right. So you know how a ratchet wrench works, right? You turn it. Sure. And then you can't turn it back in the other direction. Right. And that's what happened. And that's what, what that's what is built. That's inherent in a UBI. Mm -hmm. you, you know, the general price level adjusts and now you got to raise the UBI. It's if it's a, it creates a inflationary uh, spiral. Right. Another, uh, another thing that's, that's, that's like, this is not something to be read, but something that, that is, one of my favorite theoretical components uh, is the sectoral, uh, yeah, the sectoral balance equation. That equation is so, it is so illuminating, mm -hmm. right? So like when you, because when you do that, you, that's the accounting that you need to understand. You don't need to understand accounting. You just need to understand that it's an identity. You, you, once you understand what an accounting identity is, now you understand oh, it's, you have a lot more power. Right. Around, it's around both that. sides of the equation. Yeah, right. It's, and it, it's all, right. Everything has to be balanced out on that. Yeah, it's both sides of the equation. And it's actually, it's actually it, I hadn't thought of this before, but it's like MMT shows, like if you don't realize that the sectoral balance then you're going to handle one side without con without thinking of the consequences to the other side, as if the other side is unlimited. That right. implies that it, you know, you know, my doing whatever, my lim my lowering deficits for the government, my lowering government deficits. We've got to lower. We've got to lower. But that's not recognizing right. the limitations of the private sector of the yeah the private sector, and where MMT says there's actually, I don't know. It, it actually feels like the the where MMT is accused of being you know, free stuff, you know, just create unlimited money. So everybody can have free stuff, but it actually, the sectoral balance is actually much more limiting in a sense compared to what mainstream economics is. It recognizes the limitations of, I guess, actual people's way to say it. Yeah. And so another frequent go-to for me is the clip of Alan Greenspan responding to Paul Ryan. Mm. Yeah. Uh, where Paul Ryan is basically 
trying to set him up a softball to get him to, you know, to talk about Social Security solvency and so on and so forth. And Greenspan tells him, well, no, really. It's the real, it's the real economy. Mm-hmm. It's the real constraints. I can't imagine how much regret Paul Ryan has that he created that video. <laughs> um, uh, so another thing that that was really useful for me was uh, I can't give you a source right now, but there are there are sort of summaries out there that maybe like Randy Ray put out, mm-hmm. or uh, which are like all of the scholarship, uh, the the historical scholarship in, uh, in economics that are now formally contributed, you know, formally part of of the of the theory known as MMT, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing knowing those things, there's a paper. Um, uh, again, this is not an introductory thing. This is if you want to get into a deeper dive in it. Sure, it's worth reading the paper. Uh, I forget the guy that wrote it, but it's uh, it's the state theory of money. It's important. To understand oh, oh, the state. debt. First five thousand years. No, no, that's David Graeber, but that's good too. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, it's a book I own, another one I haven't read, but I led. Yeah, I read the first seven chapters. Uh, Randy Ray but, wrote but, a but paper. I listen- uh, Randy Ray wrote a paper, uh, "State Theory of Money to Modern Monetary Theory." Yes, that would be a good good place to start. Um, but understanding what the state theory of money is really valuable, mm-hmm. really valuable. Because once you understand, and Warren explains this all the time, like this is, it's really kind of crucial uh, to understand. If you really want to get a, d- a deeper grasp of why taxes drive money and how that basic mechanism works, I mean that is just essential. Yeah, um, a good so, paper for that is uh, Stephanie Kelton's "A Hierarchy of Money." Oh yeah, it's great. And it yeah, that's, that's another. It's, yeah, that's another really good um, explanation or explication of M- Minsky saying anyone can create money. But the problem is getting it accepted. Right, right. And uh, so I, I have, I'll tell you my, just quickly, my my five papers that I've, uh, when, I, when I asked the question, my context in my head was for people that know nothing that want to know something. You answered it in a different way, which I think is, which I think is valuable is for people that are more ambitious and want to get more into the details. Uh, so the, the five papers that I keep going back to are, number one, the natural rate of interest is zero by Mozart and Forstadter. Um, I think that's, just an excellent beginning paper. And I only discovered it a few months ago, and I really wish that, that I had known way back when. Um, the second one is The Hierarchy of Money by Stephanie Kelton, Ben Bell. Uh, the third is Functional Finance and the Federal Debt by Alba Lerner. Um, yep. You know, the, the, that and The Hierarchy of Money are not MMT, but they're, you know, based, they're what MMT is based on. No, no, they are. They are part of MMT. They're part of MMT, but they're not MMT. Right. They're the pillars on which it's built. That's how I see it. Well, they, they explicate things that Warren discovered. Yes, yes. That, that's really how the whole theory has developed is Warren started showing up uh, and talking to these guys like on a, you know, on a bulletin board or on an email chain. Right. And after a while, after a while, they said, you know what this sounds like? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, that makes and, sense. I mean, and then, and then he started funding the research, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they started digging into it and developing it but those things are all part of the theory now i mean just because they just because they preceded warren you know chronologically that's you know it doesn't mean that they don't it's not integral to the theory yeah no i I did yeah just i think randy would agree with that yeah okay yeah no just a different way of saying it um and the last two are uh pavelina cherneva's unemployment the silent epidemic Uh uh which is just how absolutely awful mass suffering that uh, unemployment is. And then the final one I just recently read uh, like a week ago, yeah. 1997 paper on, uh, where is it? Yeah, Randy Ray's paper on 1997 called Government as Employer of Last Resort Full Employment Without Inflation. Um, it is a right. great introduction to the job guarantee. And there's actually a particularly good section in there on skepticism and how he addresses skepticism. Like right. corruption and all that stuff, um, so those those are the ones that I've been keep going back to. Yeah, yeah, those those are good. Um, I I don't think I've read all of those actually. You should just shoot me an email if you would. Sure, sure. So I I can I can find them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will. Uh, I'll actually. I'll tell you what. I will. Uh, there you go. <clears throat> I'm tagging you twice. Yeah, I have, uh, I'm getting. Uh, I have a massive. I'm sure you've seen it. I have a massive, like, uh, what do you call it? A repository of information on Twitter that I've been trying to compile, like trying to make it sort of like a permanent repository. It, it's a mess. Twitter's such a mess. I'm, I'm slowly getting it off of there permanently. So I'm creating them all, all that stuff into like web pages and stuff and gradually maybe. Yeah, you should, you should, you know, you should probably boot up a website if you're really, if you're really into doing this. Yeah, I'm putting it on, I'm gradually putting it on a website that I've been using for a while. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, that was a good, that was good. Very obvious. Always, always very different than, than I expect. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. So do you want to, I mean, before, before we get off, is, is there anything missing that you make sure you want to make sure that's said? Um, I don't think so. You know, I think that, uh, I think that the way that you're going about this makes a lot of sense to me. You're building a website, you're, you're doing a podcast, uh, you're documenting your own personal journey and, you know, you're not merely, you know, you're not merely mimicking something else. You're trying to create something that you find useful and you're going to, I think what's going to, it's going to evolve uh, and perhaps already is evolving is you will develop your own, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, the size of, of your network and stuff and, and how big of a community, you know, humans naturally form. Uh, you know, I think that that, that, that will occur. That you will get your own, you know, your own set of people that uh, are down with how you're doing it and uh, uh, get value from it and contribute to it. And I think that's really, you know, that's really the way to go. If, if uh, it's, it's, it, it's consistent with everything I'm saying, let me put it that way. Great. So thank yeah. you. That's nice so, to hear. Con yeah. Congratulations. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no, you're, uh, I don't remember how I first encountered you, but you sort I think you sort of just jumped on a thread maybe on a Probably. Stephanie Kelton thread. And, yeah. you know, obviously I, I noticed not just that you were pretty knowledgeable about MMT, but you were just very concise in the way that you said it. And I, you know, obviously related to your political operative history, you know, deal, dealing with that stuff. So that like, it, it stuck out to me when I first, when I first noticed you. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, 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 I like how you do it. You're like, you're, you're not afraid to be, to call people out. Um, yep. but, but it's never, it's never really obscene in any way. So that's, I think it's a yeah. good, it's a good balance. Like I personally, like for me, I, the person that I sort of, uh, strive to, like, I, I think his style is the kind of style that I'm shooting for is Sam Levy of deficit owls. Mm -hmm. Like he's just, he just doesn't take anything personally. He answers questions. He, you know, he'll, he'll say, you know, I think you're being insulting and I'm done or whatever, but he never seems to lose it in public. Um, and I, yeah. I, I really, I really like that. Um, so yep. it's just different styles really work for different people. So, um, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. So. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for talking. I appreciate all your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. I'll see you back on Twitter. Yep. for this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app.
Today is part two of my two-part conversation with Chris McArdle. Today we discuss online activism and also the concept of truth versus academic theory. MMT is not the truth about economics as I have admittedly often said. It's simply the most convincing economic theory to me and Chris. Truth is an inherently subjective term and therefore is not conducive to encouraging others to look into MMT, let alone be convinced by it. We end today's episode by giving a rundown of our lists of important sources that we find valuable to pass on to others interested in learning more about MMT, both from an introductory point of view and for those wanting more detail. Many links to these sources and more can be found in the show notes for part one. But for now, let's get right back to my conversation with Chris McArdle.